one thing. Can you look to your neighbor and say, one thing? Look to your other neighbor and say, that's right, one thing. One thing. And we have been going through this series, and um, next week's the final week. Oh, I'm sad, but we've been going through this series called One Thing. We've been looking at different passages of Scripture where people have said, essentially, that they were focused on one thing. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, there is a lot of power in focus. Um, I recently, about a month ago, went to the dentist. It had been many years since I had been, and I was very nervous. I went to the dentist, and they actually had this little thing that shot high-powered water into my mouth to break up the... It's crazy that water can be so focused that it can break plaque in your mouth. Amen? Praise the Lord. How many of you guys like going to the dentist? Raise your... Oh, my goodness. Let's pray for Julie. Um, So, luckily, no cavities. Praise the Lord, and I was excited about that, but... It's amazing the power of focus. Like sometimes, like you think about focus, like water focused can break up a plaque in your mouth. Water fo- uh, 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 light focused can cut through steel and light. You can, you can have a lightsaber. And like you think about, think about focus, there's a lot of power in focus. And uh, I think sometimes we miss out on that. And so um, we are going to be talking about one thing again today. We're going to be just focusing on one thing. So if you have your Bibles... Why don't you turn with me real quick to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Now, this entire chapter is actually focused on one miracle. One miracle in this entire chapter, John chapter 9. One miracle and then the investigation of the one miracle. So I'm not going to read the whole thing today, but I'm going to kind of read some verses here and there. And I want to encourage you, as you have time on your own, you can go ahead and read the whole chapter. But I'm just going to read the first um, 12 verses, and then I'm going to read verse 25. So I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. It says this. It says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one will work. As long as I am in the, in the world, I am the light of the world. Amen. When he, had said, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said... Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was a blind man said, Is this not the man who sat and begged? Some said, This is he, and others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man, came, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. Then down in verse 25, it says, he answered and said to them, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing, look to your neighbor and say, one thing, one thing I know that though I was blind, 
now I see. That though I was blind, now I see. God, I thank you so much for this time to just be in your presence this morning. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace this morning. God, I just pray that we will focus on you, fix our eyes on you. God, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, God. I pray that you will uh, open our eyes and open our hearts to what you have for us, God, if there are things that are covering, if there's a veil that's covering our eyes, our heart. I just pray that you remove it, that we'll be able to see clearly, Father, your goodness and your grace this morning. Maybe there are people here this morning, again, maybe they're focused on many things. I just pray that they will focus on you this morning, that they'll be able to focus on that one thing. Amen. So here's this passage in John chapter 9 of a man who was blind, who was begging. He was a man who was blind from birth that was begging. He was blind from birth who was begging. Say that over 20 times, right? A man who was blind from birth that was begging. And as he was begging, Jesus uh, healed him. He healed him with saliva and mud. Can you imagine being anointed with someone, by someone by both saliva and mud? When I think of someone getting anointed, I think of getting anointed with oil. But this guy was anointed by Jesus with saliva and mud. And with the, through the saliva and mud, the Lord brought healing. Amen? It was pretty cool. So you read this like, oh my goodness. So, so we see this passage here. Now, now, sometimes when we read the scripture, we miss out on, on the context. Like sometimes when we read a chapter, we read the chapter and we think, oh, that, like that's exciting. But actually, I want to take you just a step back, just real quick to take a look a little bit further back to see what led up to this miracle. So actually, if, if you look in John chapter 8, you can see that Jesus was talking with the Jews and he was talking with the religious leaders. And as he's talking with the Jews and he's talking with the religious leaders, they start having this dialogue about um, Abraham. And he talks to them and he's like, hey, listen, before Abraham was, I am. So he's making this claim to the Jews that he's God. So they get upset, and they get upset, and when they get upset, he starts calling them a child of the devil. Okay, can you imagine you're talking with someone, and you call them a child of the, that's a pretty bad, so he calls them a child, he doesn't call them a child of the devil once, but he calls them a child of the devil a couple times. And so the Jews get upset, because here's this guy, who's not only claiming to be God, but also he's calling them a children of the devil, he's calling them the devil. So they get upset, and back then, when people got upset, it wasn't like you'd you know, just agree to disagree and leave. But back then when you disagreed, especially when something as important as God and as, as important, important as like calling someone the devil, people would get physical with you. And so the Jews got really upset. And so they began to pick up stones to stone Jesus. And Jesus, it says that he, he, he scampered from their midst and he left the temple um, and and some, some of you might kind of wonder, like, why would there be beggars at the temple? That seems kind of weird. Um, well, I don't understand why that would, that seems like the last place that someone would go. But um, when you think about it, the temple um, had devout people. The temple was a place where people were making sacrifices, so they were conscientious of their sin. Um, people were under the impression that works um, brought their salvation. Giving alms was something that was very prominent back then. And the temple was a place where there was lots of people. It's kind of like if you've ever been on the off-ramp from uh, I-75 in Southfield. I feel like there's always someone that's begging there on the corner. Or if you've ever been to the 16th, the 16th Street Mall in Denver, Colorado, it's filled with peddlers and beggars. Like, like the temple was a spot where there was lots of people and um, it was the prime spot for people to beg. And so 
here Jesus is having this interaction with the Jews. There's this big disagreement. He calls them, he calls himself God, and then he says that they're of the devil. There's lots of people all around. There's beggars in the temple, right? So, so, so the, the, kind of, I don't know if you can kind of set the stage there. And, and, and the Jews get upset at Jesus, and so they begin to pick up stones to stone him. And so he, he begins to flee the temple. There's lots of people. And as he's fleeing the temple, he sees a blind man at the gate. So my question is this. Did the man see Jesus. Did the man see Jesus? Did the man see Jesus? No. He was blind. The man did not see Jesus, right? He, like, he literally couldn't see anything. Have you thought about that? Like, he couldn't, like, like, he couldn't see anything. He was blind. He was living in darkness. He was without hope. He was without God in his life. And this was, like, back in the day when modern medicine wasn't a thing. We didn't have corrective lenses. We didn't have glasses, we didn't have LASIK surgery to correct this. Um, he was an outcast to society. People believed that he was a sinner because of his blindness. It's weird when you look at the miracles that are mentioned in the New Testament with Jesus. It's, people being healed of blindness is mentioned more than any other physical ailment. He'd been blind his whole life. And it's interesting when you look at the disciples' interaction with him. So this guy was blind. He was at the gate. They're scurrying out of the temple, out of the temple because, the Jews wanted to, because the Jews wanted to kill him. And the disciples, they ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's kind of a weird question. Kind of a strange question question. But a prevailing thought during that time was that sickness and deformity and disease and illness was a result specifically of someone's sin. They actually believe in something called prenatal sin, which was the idea that someone could sin in the womb. It was Jewish theology and they believed that before, so, so, and they took it from the story of Jacob and Esau, where they were wrestling in the womb, and one came out and brought life, and the other one came out and brought death. And so they believed that if someone was born blind or was born with a deformity, that they actually, that person, maybe it was something that they did while they were still in the womb. Um, others, and, and, and sometimes they say, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't the child, but maybe it was the parents. It was because the parents sinned. Because what the parents did, like a couple different prevailing thoughts. Those things that were happening back then. I find it interesting because I think this question is still maybe prevalent today. When we go through difficulties, when we go through hardships, a lot of times we ask God why. Why did this happen to me? What did I do? What did I you know, what, 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 what did I do to, 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 to cause this to me? And it's interesting because the beggar 
becomes the point of discussion for the disciples, but not necessarily the point of compassion for the disciples. I think there's a time for theology, the, theological discussions, but there comes a time when you have to ask yourself, what am I going to do to alleviate this suffering? Did the man see Jesus? No, the man did not see Jesus. Did Jesus see the man? That Jesus did see the man. Let's look at that verse again. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus saw the man. I was thinking about it. Like, like have, you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you saw someone and you were calling out to them and they didn't see you? Like maybe you were in a busy spot you were, and you're calling out to them. You're like, uh, you know, Tanya, Tanya, and Tanya's busy and she doesn't even notice you. Or maybe have you been in a spot before where um, you saw someone famous and you see them from a distance and you call out their name and they don't see you and you're like, uh, you know, Kenny Lofton. Kenny, do you guys remember Kenny Lofton? Kenny Lofton, so I remember back in 19, it was like back in the 90s. Um, there was a guy who played for the Indiana or for, for the um, Cleveland Cleveland Indians, and uh, Ken, his name was Kenny Lofton. He was amazing, and I remember uh, watching him. and He 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 played center field. He was amazing. He was a base stealer. I don't know if you guys remember him or not, but he wore a hat that was too small on purpose so that when he ran, his hat would fall off. And uh, he's just a very dynamic baseball player. And I remember I went to a, the, the, the Indians were playing the Twins. I'm from Minnesota. They were playing the Twins. And they were at the Metrodome. And I was out in center field in the Metrodome. And Kenny Lofton was like from here maybe to, to, to said divine over there. So like real close. And so I'm yelling to Kenny Lofton as I'm there. I'm like, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. And, and, and Kenny was not even, he could totally hear me. I can guarantee you he could totally hear, hear me. And he was just completely ignoring me. I'm like, Kenny, you're my favorite. You're like, I love you, Kenny. And he was just completely ignoring me. He just well, like wasn't even there. And then I remember a few years ago, we were at Comic-Con. And I was so excited. I saw William Shatner. And William Shatner was like, from me to, to said divine again. I'm like, Bill, Bill. They're like, get away from Bill, okay? I'm like, but, but he definitely heard me. But he didn't even look at me. I'm like, are you serious? Like, Bill, I thought we were friends, you know, Kenny Lofton, I'm your biggest fan, like, I thought we had an understanding here. (laughs) My life said. You know, it's interesting because there are times in the Bible, think about it, there are times in the Bible where people pursued Jesus. Nicodemus, the centurion, Zacchaeus, the man who was, uh, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus like climbed a tree to get to him. Zacchaeus came to him, or uh, Nicodemus came to him at night. The centurion came to Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, it said that she pushed through the crowd to get to him, to touch the, like the crowds were massive. She pushed through the crowd to get to him, to touch the hem of his garment, to find healing. There were times in the Bible where people pursued Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? 
Like, have you ever been at a time in your life where you have pursued Jesus wholeheartedly? A time in your life, like, you know, when, when, when you're, you're going after him with all of your heart, you know, where you're, you know what I'm talking about, Stephanie? It was like you're going after him with all of your heart, and you were just pushing after Jesus with, with everything that you have. You, you, you see him, you can sense him, you, you can feel his presence, and you're like, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm thinking about youth camp. You go to youth camp, and, and it's like, I remember when I was in junior high, I'd go to youth camp, and I'm so excited, and, and after like three days at camp, you're yelling so much, your voice is like this. You're like, praise the Lord, Jesus, I'm coming after you. And then they, they have the, the games at youth camp where they're like, all right, guys, you know, what, 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 what we want you to do, and you, you have the red team and the black team and the blue team, and you're the red team. They're like, if you're the red team, if you really love Jesus, yeah, we love Jesus, we love Jesus. If you really love Jesus, then, then, then go ahead and, and take all the gum out of your mouth. So everyone's taking the gum out of their mouth, and we're like, yeah, we love Jesus. They're like, all right, all right, now that you have all the gum out of your mouth, now put it all together in a big ball. And they're like, yeah, we love Jesus, we love Jesus. So you put it all together in a big ball, and they're like, all right, if you love Jesus, now make it into your camp counselor. And they're like, yeah, and you're forming it into your camp counselor. And they're like, all right, now for 10,000 points, whoever chews that gum, that camp counselor, like, yeah, we love Jesus, we love Jesus. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like you've been in those situations where you have been pursuing God, you've been doing crazy things for him, you've been chewing the gum at camp that's a mixture of everyone's gum, and you're just going after Jesus with all of your heart, you're pursuing him with everything that you have, or you're at the revival service back in the 1980s, and the, the guy gets up and he starts singing, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And you just feel the Spirit of the Lord move. And you go up to the altars, and you're pursuing Jesus, and you're going after him with everything that you have. You're just pursuing him. You're just going after him. There were times in the Bible where people pursued Jesus, Nicodemus and the centurion and Zacchaeus and the woman with the issue of blood. But I think sometimes it's good to remember that that Jesus also pursues you. Sometimes it's hard to remember that. Sometimes it's difficult to remember that. Like if times are crazy, if life is upside down, it's like, okay, like I, I don't know where you're at. I feel like you're not around. I don't know what's happening. I, I lost my job. I got in a fight with David. David's such a jerk. Like, 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 like you know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes, I'm just kidding, David. Sometimes, like, like you wonder where God is. Sometimes you feel like you're sitting at the doorway of the church waiting for something to happen. You can see other people experience the power of the Lord. You can see other people experience the goodness of the Lord. You can see other people following and pursuing God and going after him. And you're just like, does he even see me in the shadows? Do other people even see me in the shadows? And I guess I want to encourage you today that the Lord sees you. In the craziness of life, in the chaos of life, in the wildness of life, in the intensity of life, the Lord sees you where you're at. Like, even when it seems like maybe he doesn't see you, Julianne, he sees you. He sees you. And he is pursuing you. His love is pursuing you. It might seem like, I don't really know what's happening, and it just seems like these church people are fighting all the time, and here I am, and the last thing I saw, someone got stoned in church, and, you know, whatever. But, that sounds weird, okay. But, (laughs) the Lord sees you. 
In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3, it says, But you, O Lord, you know me. You have seen me. But you, O Lord, you know me, and you have seen me, and you have tested my heart toward you. You know me and you see me, and you have tested my heart toward you. In Luke chapter 15, it Luke gives three examples of times where the Father pursues us. He goes after us again and again and again. There are times that we pursue him, like youth camp, but I want to encourage you that the Lord is pursuing you. It's funny because I feel like a lot of times I don't even realize that he's pursuing me until after the fact. Sometimes I feel like, like, like why... Am I going through this? Why am I in this trial? Why do I have no money? Why are my kids misbehaving? Why is this congregant such a pain in the side? No, just kidding. Why, 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 why? I just don't understand God's, like, I don't understand. I I feel like he's not here. Often it's after that I realized that his providence was with me the entire way and that he never left me and that he never, forso- he never forsook me, forsaked, forsook, fors- forsaked me, forsaked me. He ne- okay, whatever. He never left me. <laughs> the blind man says, this one thing I know, That though I was blind, now I see. The one thing I know is that even though I was living in darkness, that he brought me into his glorious light. This one thing I know is that I don't have any special degrees. I don't have any amazing schooling. I don't don't know anything. But the one thing I know is that I was blind and now I see. This is the one thing I know is that, is that now I can see Jesus. And now I can see that Jesus has brought me healing. And, 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 and I, think, I think sometimes we think about the physical healing. And yes, that's very true. Jesus brings physical healing. But I think God also brings spiritual healing. Amen. And sometimes he opens his, our eyes physically. But also many times he opens our eyes spiritually. And this is, this is a picture, I think, of, of not only this guy being healed uh, physically, but also maybe a picture of him being healed spiritually as well, his focus, his change, his, you can see that he's, it, it's moving to Jesus. It's moving to Jesus. I was thinking about this spiritual sight. I was blind, but now I see. Look to your neighbor and say, I was blind, but now I see. Say it one more time. This time say it like you mean it. I was blind, but now I see. Are you, guys, are you guys excited about that? Like, I was blind, but now I see. Is that exciting for you this morning? Like, I was blind, but now I see. Like, that's, that's, a pretty, that's actually a pretty amazing short testimony. I was blind, but now I see. I was thinking about this. Like, when, when, when the Lord opens our eyes, it gives us hope. You thought about that? When the Lord opens our eyes, it gives us hope. It's like when... It's like when you're running a race 
and you're not sure where the end is. Have you ever been there before where you're running? I remember I ran a race once that was way too long. I was running, and I wasn't sure where the end was. And because I wasn't sure where the end was, it was really difficult for me to continue running. In fact, I stopped and started, like, walking, and then I started trying to run again, and a speedwalker passed me. That's how fast I was. Like, I had lost all hope. I, had, I felt like I was hopeless. But when we know that Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat himself at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Amen. Like it gives us hope. It says that when we run, we fix our eyes on Jesus, right? Like when we look at Jesus, it gives us hope. When, when trials, and, trials and hardships and everything else come our way, because we have the blessed hope, man, our race is much easier, isn't it? Spiritual sight gives us hope. It's, it's often difficult when we're in the middle because we're like, ah, we are that. But spiritual sight gives us hope. Spiritual sight also reveals the truth. It reveals the truth. When you have the Word of God and you have a relationship with Him, and when He opens our eyes, it reveals the truth. How many of you guys know that, that, that truth is so distorted right now? Like what's up is right and what's, what's up is down and down is up and what's left is right and right is up. Like, like, like it's like putting glasses on that, that are all muddy and foggy and distorted. And, but, 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 but spiritual sight reveals the truth. When I don't know what to do, I go to God's word. His word is a lamp onto my feet and it's a light onto my path. It gives us hope, it reveals the truth, and it uncovers your sin. Spiritual sight uncovers your sin. That can be a difficult one. Because sometimes we don't like to uncover those things. It's like when you're cleaning your house and you throw all the stuff under your bed hoping that no one will look. It's like when you're cleaning the living room and you throw everything under the, behind the dog kennel. and yeah, hope, Hopefully no one sees, right, Lisa? But I saw, okay? Uh, no, just kidding. Um, it's like when you're doing things and, and, you're, and you're making sure, and when someone turns the light on and everything is revealed, it's difficult, but spiritual sight uncovers your sin. It gives you hope. It reveals the truth. And it uncovers sin. As the worship team can come back up again and I guess I want to encourage you that if you're following Jesus, if you're pursuing him, keep on doing that. But even if you don't feel him in your midst, I want to encourage you that he's there in your presence. That even in the chaos, even in the disorder, even in the craziness, even with the crowd of people, even with the Jews trying to stone him, even with the disciples trying to change the conversation, Jesus saw the man born blind. But you, Lord, you know me and you've seen me. I want to encourage you that this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, you feel like you're lost. feel like you're in the shadows. I want to encourage you that the Lord sees you. It's not like calling out to Kenny Lofton or William Shatner who ignore you. The Lord sees you.
He can bring healing. He can bring sight. He can bring hope. He can bring truth. He can uncover your sin. This one thing I know. We don't understand what happened. Well, like, what, what, like, t- tell us this one thing I know. I was blind. But now I see. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Lord, right now I pray for everyone that's Hearing my voice this morning, whether it's here uh, in, uh, in the church or uh, they're listening online, Father, I pray right now that you will minister to them, Father. If they've been living in darkness, may you just uh, uh, reach out to them and may you minister and, and may you just anoint them and heal them and bring them out of darkness into your glorious light, Father. God, I pray that you will give us a testimony this morning. God, we know that we were blind, but now we see, God. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. God, we thank you for the restoration that we have in you, Father. God, I thank you that our truth is in you and that you can uncover our sins and make us more and more like you, Father. As we sing this song one last time, may you continue to minister in your holy name.